We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's a I distraction. just saw that. I'm just like, and Kobe yeah. Dean was literally not that great of an athlete, but he was a really good football player. There's on a, a team that won a championship that. because of their defense. Exactly. Yeah. It's just absurd. Yeah. It's just, I'm just ignoring it from now on. It's just. I rescored you not with a question, not a question, but Brian, you need to post a video, make a message for post about your return to NFL fandom. Can't wait for the NFL content that follows. You're going to be sadly disappointed because neither one of those things are going to happen. If I start watching NFL games again, that's a big difference between being a fan of the NFL again, right? I'll watch it. I may, you know, like what the Broncos are doing, but you're not going to see me tweeting and posting a lot about my NFL team. I just, I haven't done that. A lot. I, I didn't even do that even before I stopped really watching the NFL. So sorry, man, you're uh, going to be sadly disappointed if you're waiting on me to ramp up my NFL fandom content on the board or anything like that it'll be the extent of it'll be like mentioning in a show that i watched it that's the extent of me discussing my uh fandom here's that question right i want to step first step is watching and then the next step is following so Mm -hmm. yeah here's that comment earlier that i wanted to respond to gotcha jay patterson says we have to stop saying that marshall was a good football team we should never lose to marshall or any team like them again, we can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? This is the whole point is you can say a team is a good football team. Tulsa in 2010 was a good football team. They won 10 games that year. That was a good football team, Ryan. Notre Dame had no business losing to that football team. None, none. Yeah. And and so because you say a team is good, that's a whole different animal than saying that they should have, that that, that Notre Dame, it was okay for Notre Dame to lose to them. When have we ever said that it was okay that Notre Dame lost that game? When did we ever excuse away or justify Notre Dame losing that game? We've never done that. We we but literally that, had like one of the saddest post game shows of all time. Like it's yes, not, it's yes, yeah, yeah. but it also doesn't take away from the fact that Marshall's a good. We told you all during the summer Marshall's a good football team. We told you going into that game that Marshall's a good football team. It doesn't, it, but we also didn't say after the show, see, we told you it's okay to lose to Marshall because they're a really good football team. That's not what we said ever. So you you can do two things at once, right? Like in 2010, Navy was a good football team. 
nine and four that year. It was a good football team. They had no business beating Notre Dame. None. None. Navy in 2009. It's a good football team. They won 10 games that year. Lost by four to Ohio State. They had no business you know, beating Notre Dame. I'm sorry. Doesn't take away from it. I can tell you that Marshall's a good football team and still say Notre Dame should win. I can tell you that NC State's a really good football team. Duke is a really good football team for, you know, for, for ACC teams. They're eight, nine win caliber teams. Those are good football teams. They're teams their name should beat. So that's the thing, Jay Patterson, is, is we have never said it's okay to lose to Marshall. We've never said that, ever. Never once did we say it's okay. Matter of fact, it's one of the things we use as a, okay, I'm excited about this team, but let's not just assume that I'm going to go on the road and beat Clemson because this is still the same team that lost to Marshall and Stanford. They got to prove that they're not going to lose those games because they're not acceptable. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that Marshall was a good football team last year that had NFL football players on their roster and was probably one of the three or four best offensive lines they played all year, Ryan. Would you agree with that? That Notre Dame played all year? I would say so. So, yeah, two things can be true at the same time. I agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We had a question from T Smith 0323. This is off topic, but who is your favorite WWE superstar? Also, great talking with you on X, Brian. Keep killing it, y'all. You want to talk about That's X a, first, or you want to uh, talk about the W? Just the <laughs> yeah. Just um, I appreciate you uh, for uh, for for that one. Favorite WWE I, I was, superstar? I was Depends a huge wrestling fan when I was younger. When it turned to WWE, I stopped watching it though. So up until like WWF era, and then I so stopped. so what was the era you did you watch the Attitude Era? Who's the that Attitude was probably era? the best. Who's, that was the uh, Stone Cold uh, oh, yeah. DX, yeah. The yeah. Rock. That was yeah. like I loved the WWF when I was a kid, right? Yes. But but yeah. just a, a pure enjoyment i mean the 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 attitude era to me was the best era it actually saved the sport because prior to stone cold really taking over wcw was kicking wwe's butt i mean just 
the, it was a better product and a, and, a, and better personalities and all that. And then the WCW kind of crashed and then the yep. attitude era saved it. Um, I love that era. I don't know that any of those guys would, I would consider my favorite WWE superstar. I mean, I was a little kid. So like kind of Hulk Hogan was the guy that I liked a lot. And I, I liked macho man, even though he would always turn heel. Randy you Savage. Know? Yeah, yeah. But he was a great entertainer, man. Yeah. You know, um, I, I like the Slim Jim commercials too. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, so. I mean, I don't know that I say I had a favorite. I mean, there were, there was a lot of different my, ones that I my, liked, but the best era was the attitude era in my opinion. My, my dad's favorite was uh, Bret Hart, Bret Hitman Hart. Yeah, he was um, good. I, I, I really liked – I liked Stone Cold Steve Austin a lot. I actually liked Triple H before he turned into what yeah. he is now. Like, yeah. I liked him as a wrestler, though. But, I yeah. didn't like him as part of DX. I just – DX yeah. just annoyed the crap out of me. You know, <laughs> just – it's the same reason I hated the NWO. I, it's just like every show gets ended because, like, they come out and, like, that's what killed the WCW. Like, no big fights yeah. ever ended. It was – you know – Hulk Hogan couldn't wrestle anymore at that point in time. So they had to do this thing where he would wrestle and drop a lit. And then the NWO would come out every time he's about to lose. And it's just, it was just lame. It got lame after a while. Right. And that's kind of how I felt yeah, about dude. DX, but that's why one of the best gimmicks they ever did was the lead up. Was it a wrestle? Was it a WrestleMania? But it's when Mike Tyson was the, uh, uh the, um, referee mm. for the stone cold. Uh, it was, uh, no, it was, the, it was stone cold and Sean, uh, Michaels. Yeah. And they thought that, you know, Mike Tyson was on their side and he had slaps. And then at the end, he ends up, you know, being with Stone Cold. And mm-hmm. but some of those Stone Cold Rock things. And I and I liked it when when Rock like I liked Rock better when he was a, a baby face. I didn't like yes. Rock as a heel. You know, I just he, he he was like Stone Cold was unique because he was kind of a, a heel that was a baby face, if that makes sense, right? Like yeah. he was this jerk that did dumb things, but like they you no matter what he did, it's like they just couldn't stop liking him. You know what I mean? Yep. Even when they would try to turn him heel. And that's what I thought made the Rock Stone Cold battle so good is because fans loved both of them. Because Stone know? Cold and, said so, baby. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and then every time you'd hear something going on, as soon as one of their music would play, you just would just get ramped up, right? And every time there's a big brawl and you just heard the Rock's music or, and you, you know, the, if you smell, and then you hear the glass break for Stone Cold, it just gets you fired up, man. The Attitude Era was really a great era. It really was. Yeah. But I, if I had to say, like, my favorite wrestlers, it's stuff when I was a kid. Like, I, as a kid, I was more into the individual wrestlers, like Sting and the NWA and then yeah. the WCW. Yeah. And then, you know, probably Hogan, um, you know, when I was Hogan a little was kid. Cool. When yeah. I was a kid, he was, right? Yeah. He became a giant D-bag, like, later. His, 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 you know, just, I don't know, just... Like the NWO thing ruined Hulk Hogan for me. Just it just like ah, you know, it just ruined it. But uh, as far as his overall wrestling, I just I loved it. I mean, they had great tag teams. They had great you know big events. It was uh, it was really good. I enjoyed. Do you it. remember when? Uh, do you remember when Hulk Hogan was in Rocky Four? That was uh, yes. Was it was Rocky there. Three. He was in Rocky three? three. It was oh, the one yeah, Mr. Yeah, T. Yeah, 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 Mr. T. Uh, was it something right. lips? Uh, something lips. Thunder right? lips. Thunder so, lips. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just realize how big he was and how small Sylvester Stallone was when was you like see six, that. I think he was like six nine or something like that. Right? Well, he was listed to that. He's only like six four, six five, but he was well, listed really at six it. nine. Yeah, <laughs> that was back when they inflated all the heights and weights. You yeah. know, like uh, you know, yeah, it was. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's, let me see here. What's this? They say, oh, he's six, seven. They listen to six, seven. Okay. I've seen him listed it shorter than that. I don't know if he's necessarily yeah. that tall. He's a big dude, so, though, man. Yeah, he is. He's, <laughs> he's yeah. scary. Yeah. 
So yeah, he's reporting now that he's six four, but he used to be six seven. So because of back what? surgeries and stuff like that, because wow. he's had a lot of back surgeries and stuff. Gotcha. He said he was six seven. He first started wrestling, but uh, you know they had him at like six nine, and you know like all these different guys are you know these inflated weights and stuff like that. But but that's that's when it was like pure entertainment. Like I don't like it now. I, I I've tried watching a little bit in the last few years. I just I can't get into it. I think it's I don't know maybe. It's, too old for yeah. it now or something just i i, I try watch a little recently and i'm just like nah, yeah. I'm good I'm good at this point like the bro like brock lesnar just doesn't do it for me you know and like uh, brock the guys that kind of like i don't know i just kind of liked it when the wrestlers were like bigger and just like you know they looked almost fictitious characters like now they're just like yeah. they use their real names and it's just like eh, okay whatever you know like steve austin that's not his real name like that's yeah. it's his name steve williams right it's just yeah, i I, pr- I probably haven't watched him in a few years, but like they also brought up like, who's that one wrestler that just goes, yes, yes. Oh yeah. Daniel yes. Bryan or something. I don't even like know that. his name. It's like yeah. it's yeah. like, I'm like, dude, he's like little, like I, you know, it's like, whatever. Yeah. I can't get into that. I can't get into it. I respect uh, the athleticism of the current era, but I just, it just, is oh, yeah, they're great athletes. No doubt. Yeah. Question from Corey Dean mailbag. I heard Navy is going to use two quarterbacks against Notre Dame thoughts. It's, I mean, it. I, I I don't really have a lot of thoughts just yet. I, I still have some film I got to dive into. We'll have more thoughts on it next week, but I, I got to know a little bit more about those quarterbacks. My my understanding is one of them is the kid that started for him last year. It's just a pure option guy, not not yep. a great player. And the other kid brings a little bit more of a dual threat ability. You know, it can run the option, but he's a guy that can drop back and throw the football. And I think I think that's part of it too. If I, if I had to guess, my prediction is they're they're saying they're going to play two because the option kid, they want to still have Notre Dame preparing for the option. Right. I think they're going to try to do some different stuff and it's Notre Dame and, and they want yeah. Notre Dame still thinking triple, 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 triple. Ryan, you and I talked about this beforehand. That's not going yeah. to go well for Navy. Yeah. If they come yeah. out trying to throw the ball, I'm like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> now it may work against Notre Dame to some degree. I'm talking about long-term. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I, going away from the triple as much as I hate it, it, it works. There's a reason this, the service academies all run it and need to run it. There's a reason. That's a tough for that. transition too, man. It's a tough transition. We talked about yeah. like Georgia tech with Paul Johnson, right? Where it's like, look great with Paul Johnson there for a long time. And then once they started trying to go to like more of a traditional offense, you're like, Oh, this is going to be a long yeah. transition here, man. This is going to be fun. Yep, no doubt. Next question is from Cole Me Ty says, I was watching the North Carolina game from last year yesterday. If you were to put in last year's North Carolina team onto the schedule, where would they rank in difficulty? I mean, if we're looking at a preseason, it'd be down in the bottom half, honestly. You don't know and, who and, Drake May is at right, that point. And, right, yeah. I mean, if you took it, look at what North Carolina was at the end of the season, it's still kind of where they were. I mean, middle of the pack because their defense was terrible. I'd still put Duke yeah. ahead of them because I, I think, uh, you know, because the other thing too is Carolina's game was kind of where NC State is this year, right? It's like you had the BYU game after, but you had a bye week. So it was sandwiched between Cal and a bye. So it yeah. wasn't like really in a bad spot. That was the big game of that little three week stretch. Their defense was a mess. There was questions about who their running backs are going to be. I like their receiving core a lot. I would have still had them behind, uh, honestly, Ryan. If I could look at last year's team, I'd probably still have them behind Duke, maybe behind NC State for me. I mean, just because, again, a team that's going to upset Notre Dame is not going to be a team that's defense is trash. 
It's just not right. An, an upset team. It just, it's just not as good as Drake may was. Why could he not, why could he not beat Notre Dame, but USC could and Caleb Williams is because the town around Caleb Williams is still a lot better than it was at North Carolina. Sure. And as bad as USC's defense was, it wasn't as bad as North Carolina's and USC had a much better offensive line than North Carolina. And as good as I as the receivers were, I think North Carolina's receivers actually aren't that far off of USC's receivers. You could even argue maybe as good, but the difference at running back was enormous. In my running back, like you said, offensive line, man. Drake May played in some dirty pockets last year, man. Including against Notre Dame, he had a really clean pocket that first series, and he went right down the field and they scored. But after that, man, Notre Dame was all over him in that game. Which is going to be good for him long term if we're talking about his prospects at the next level because he's already had to deal with things not being perfect around him, which is good. Right. So, agree, agree. Next question is from Brandon Plesner said, "What happened to North Carolina State quarterback MJ Morris? I believe can he seriously not challenge Armstrong for the starting job? No, he got I don't. Banged I don't, up, right? Yeah, he got hurt late in the year. I honestly don't." Um... I don't really know, honestly, at this point in time, Ryan, where that is. But you don't, you don't, you don't bring in Brendan Armstrong to run that offense and then just not have him be your quarterback. I mean, the, the difference between him and the other kid is pretty enormous, honestly. Yeah. I mean, with all due respect to MJ Morris, he had some nice games, but he played three games. I mean, this is why I say don't get too worked up about what guys do after a few games because the book's not written on them yet. I mean. I'll go back and point to, again, look what Drew Pine did his first three starts last year. And then once the book was written on him, you never saw the North Carolina BYU version of Drew Pine again. Yeah. Because the book had been written on him. And same thing with MJ. MJ will be a good quarterback. It's just as a as a second-year player, he ain't, he's not beating out Brandon Armstrong, who has three years of experience running that offense. I just know he got banged up at the end of the season because Ben Finley played the last couple games for NC State at quarterback. I think that for me, Brandon, the ideal scenario for MJ Morris would be you get you get your redshirt back this year if you weren't able to redshirt last year. You stick behind Robert and I for a year, learn from him. Then you're the quarterback in 2024 for multiple seasons after that. Like, I think that's the trajectory you want. Because I think MJ is a completely different quarterback than what Brandon Armstrong is. But I think that there are some attributes that are similar. They're both good athletes. They both have, you know, the the similar-ish size. Like, they're not like totally different body types. So I think you have to learn from a guy like that and then keep moving forward, man. I think that that, this could be a beneficial year for MJ Morris to kind of sit back and watch. Next question is from Buellsfeld Financial Services Incorporated. If Navy shocks Notre Dame, what does that mean for Notre Dame college football program? Oh no, JP, I don't want to JP, think about this. <laughs> it just I mean again, I there's tell me what they do the rest of the year. I mean, that's oh. the reality of it. Is if they lose to Navy, God forbid, but they go out and beat Ohio State, beat everybody else, beat USC, beat Clemson. What does it mean? It means don't schedule a trip, triple option team with a brand new coaching staff in game one. Right. Like, Ugh. you know, and, and that means predict years in advance that they're not going to have a coaching change because you had already scheduled the game. I mean, that's what it would mean. Now, if they lose that game and it's the beginning of another eight and four season, that's a bad sign. Right. That's a bad sign. But I would just, we'd need way more context. But I don't even know, my man, I don't even know why you're putting that out in the universe right now. My I friend. know, man. It's so sad yeah. to think about. Yeah. I don't want to think about that yeah. at all. <laughs> Ugh. 
Andre Tonsil says, who is most intriguing 2025 recruits on offense and defense? Uh, you could take that a few different ways, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean by most intriguing? Yeah, as take it however as, you want to take it, Ryan. I mean, most intriguing for me is like, I usually think of guys that maybe are making transitions or guys that have a little bit of volatility to them is like, as far as there's development, or this storyline, maybe yeah, the impact that that kid could have on, on the class. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you can go a million different directions on that one. I mean, I, I think I'll, Deuce, I'll give, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say intriguing for me is like Deuce Knight. Cause again, I think that Deuce Knight has most best, maybe the best tools of any quarterback in 2025, but he's not there yet, obviously. And him picking Notre Dame as a Mississippi kid would be a pretty, yeah. Intriguing storyline, right? Like that would be very intriguing. Yeah. Defensively, I think that for me, I J- Jadon Blair out of North Carolina, the safety is most intriguing because he is 6'4, 180 plus pounds. And I think most people's thoughts would go, is he a rover? Is he a linebacker eventually? I'm like, nope, that guy is He's just a safety. supersized athlete playing Long, safety. So, skinny, yeah. smooth. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, I, I like Jadon Blair on defense. I, I like that one. Offensively intriguing. You are correct. Taylor Taylor's the best player on off on the offensive board for me. But the most intriguing is Deuce, in my view. I think that's definitely yep. the most intriguing one. Yeah, it's really intriguing. Yep. Yep. Next question is from Andrew Kenny, who says, how do you think our secondary will fare against Marvin Harrison Jr.? We're going to get asked this question a lot between now and the season because we've already been asked this a few times. Yeah. Look, how do I think? I think they can do what I talked about last week, Ryan. The the goal against this version of Marvin Harrison Jr., first of all, we've seen this secondary go against Marvin Harrison Jr. And they held him to, what, five catches for 56 yards, something something like that? Yeah. Right. They held Ohio State to one of its worst non 40 mile an hour wind game statistics. Right. They made him work for his yards. And that's how you do it. Right. And that, what I said was, I don't really care what Marvin Harrison's numbers are at the end of that yep. game, unless they're like, e- even if he's like 10 catches for 190 yards, Ryan, 200 yards, 220 yards, I don't care. Make him work for those yards. Yep. And and my point is we've seen a receiver come out against Notre Dame and put up monster numbers in a game where Notre Dame dominated the game. We we saw this not that long ago, right? Do you remember the numbers that Drake Drake uh London had against Notre Dame two uh, years ago? It's like f- 15 for 170, right? Or something. 15 for 171. Yeah. And guess yeah. what? Notre Dame won that game by 15, and it wasn't really that close. Because nobody else did anything that game that hurt you. And you right. made him work for those numbers. And so to me, when I look at it, is if Marvin goes out there and has like eight catches for 125 yards, it's a good game against this secondary. Sure. It's a pretty good game. But my thing is going to be, tell me what the yard per target numbers are. Tell me how many times they had to get it to him, throw it to him to get those numbers. If he has eight catches for 125 yards on 11 targets, that's not good work for Notre Dame. That means he had a really big day. And, and you know, the efficiency is really impressive in that game, right? The thing I care more about is where was he from a, you know, if he's going to get those eight, I want to see it to where it's 14, 15 targets, right? That's yeah. what I care more about, Ryan. It, it's, it's did you make him work for that action? That's what I care more about. It's not so much the 
the the the the numbers it's it's what did you do overall so like last year uh, you look at Marvin Harrison he had five catches for 56 yards they targeted him 11 times he went two for four against Cam Hart and 0 for two against Benjamin Morrison and Benjamin Morrison had a breakup on him if if he has a similar percentage and it's and I don't care if he has eight catches if it's eight catches for 120 yards on 17 targets it's a win for Notre Dame in that matchup. But sure. here's where the key is. We're, you can all talk about Marvin Harrison all you want. I don't care what his numbers are as long as it's a high-volume target number, right, where, you, where it's a lower efficiency number. But you can't let the other guys beat you. And you want to know why Notre Dame had lost that game? Emeka Igbuka had nine catches for 90 yards, 11 targets. It's a very high number. The yard for target for Marvin Harrison last year was what? 5.5 5, which isn't very good right yeah. no it's but Emeka was over eight because yes. they went not, you know 11 targets for 90 yards you look at Xavier Johnson two targets two catches 34 yards and a touchdown Cade Stover four targets three catches right like you can't let those other guys beat you yep can't that's the key you just you just can't let those guys beat you and if they can do that, then, then, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Like Cam Hart gave up four completions last year for 54 yards against them. Right. And including a touchdown, but they did it on seven, eight targets. Right. I mean, that, that's the key. They went one for three against Benjamin Morrison. You can't let the other guys not name Marvin Harrison to put up the big numbers and make the money plays. That's the big thing for me. I think sometimes you can get so obsessed with sh- shutting down one guy that you then lose sight of, okay, yeah, you did a lot to make him work, but this other guy just went and ripped you up. But if, you, if you're going to just try to play man-to-man against Emeka Buka because you're trying to double and triple Marvin Harrison, Emeka's going to go off. You've got to play well in all scenarios. And put. And the biggest thing is put pressure on the quarterback. That's going to be the big key. But, you know, I, I really don't care what the numbers that Marvin Harrison gets are. It's just you got to make him work for it. And then not let the other guys goes off. Goes the other guys go off. That's a lot more important for me. Efficiency, efficiency. Yeah. I think is what you need to see. Yeah. Nope. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had a question from Nathan Milton. What's up, Nathan? How much stock do you put into home field advantage? Depends what depends. the school is, man. It yeah. depends. I mean, at Notre Dame, I think home field advantage can matter if they pack the seats, right? A Clemson is certainly an advantage. I think if you are a te- if you are a program where your fans are rabid and they want to come to games and they want to be a part of it, right? It's they loud. want to have that impact. Yeah. Yes. I think that is tremendous. If you're a not great football team, though, if you're Stanford, like home field advantage doesn't really exist. It doesn't really. But I think that if you have a great fan base, home field advantage matters very much. Personally, I always play better at home, away games. I felt like I was a little less on edge, you know, being around more people that I knew, all that type of stuff. But home field advantage, I think, can be very good for programs that fan bases 
care about the team for sure. Yeah. Like you said, Ryan, it depends on the team. One of the one of the things that Brian Kelly did really well in his last few years at Notre Dame is he won all his home games except for what twenty twenty one Cincinnati, right? Now you could argue they didn't play a ton of great teams, but you know, they whooped a pretty good twenty seventeen USC team at home by thirty five. Like they won at home. In other eras at Notre Dame, you know they they weren't as good. I I would argue this. I felt in two thousand and twelve, Notre Dame was better away from home than they were at home. Yeah. If you remember, they had an ugly win over Purdue that year at home. They beat Michigan 13-6 to in a game where Michigan turned it over like three times in the red zone. You know, Notre Dame struggled to score in that game. They had an overtime 20-13 to win at home over Stanford. It was a good win, but it was an ugly win. They won. They beat BYU 17-14 to that year. They only beat Pitt by three in double overtime that year. And then they had a big win over Wake Forest. They beat, a, at the time, a 10th-ranked Michigan State 20-3 to on the road. They blew out Miami 41-3 to in Chicago. They beat Oklahoma on the road 30-13 to and then beat uh, BC 21-6 to on the road. And they went on the road in the last game of the year and beat USC. For whatever reason, that team, when they were on the road, they had this us-against-the-world mentality, and they were at their best when the other team's crowd was louder and all this kind of stuff. It just varies team by team. Right. Yeah. And, you know, last year, Notre Dame wasn't as good a- away from the road as consistently. Like they had a couple really impressive road games last year. You know, you think of the North Carolina game, it was a pretty good one. Syracuse wasn't bad. They didn't play very well away from home against USC. They didn't play very well away from home against Ohio State. They were sloppy against BYU. They just were the better team. I mean, I didn't think Notre Dame necessarily played great against BYU. They just were better than BYU. I mean, they just whooped them physically, whooped them and had better athletes. But I didn't think they played well necessarily against BYU uh, and certainly didn't play well against Navy away from home either. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it's going to be, but uh, it just depends on the team, Ryan. And, and yeah. do I put stock and home field advantage? If, if you have proven and established it, yes, I do. But I've always said this, Ryan, home field advantage has a lot more to do with the quality of the team than it does about being at home. Alabama had some really bad home losses before Nick Saban showed up and in his first year. Yeah. Right. Louisiana, Nick Saban, the greatest coach of this generation at Alabama, has a home loss to Louisiana Monroe on his resume. That was a crazy game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not happening now. But at the time, that was a bad Alabama team and he was rebuilding it. He rebuilt it pretty quickly because the next year they went 12 and one and lost yeah. in the Sugar Bowl to, to Utah, a really good Utah yeah. team. And then in year three, they won a national championship. So you can get it turned around quickly, but. Did Alabama become a tougher place to play for any reason arbitrarily to the stadium or the loudness or the or the ushers? Tump? No, it's because Alabama got better. That's that's the primary home field advantage. And I think the one thing that can help you as a home team, if you're if you're run correctly, is football players and coaches are creatures of habit. And it's a little easier to be in your routine at home, in my opinion, because you don't have the travel. Now, sometimes it can be good to play on the road, Ryan, because. You know, everything is really structured, but I just think usually the routine is easier to keep when you're at home than when you are. That's fair. That's very fair. Conrad asks, do you think Notre Dame fans will show out for the Ohio State game, or do you think it will be similar circumstance to Georgia 2017? The Notre Dame fans that are there will show out. Do I think that there's going to be a large Ohio State contingent? Yes, I do, because the fans that don't show up will sell their tickets to Ohio State fans. So, look – I hope that I'm wrong on this, but I think I've said this before. I don't really care at this point in time 
about like I, I don't care. I don't I, I don't predict that Notre Dame's gonna be able to not have a lot of Ohio State people. I just yeah, it's gonna happen until they prove otherwise. Notre Dame fans are gonna sell their tickets. It just until until that that we see it not be that way, right? I just I mean Ryan, you were at the Cincinnati game twenty twenty one. There's a ton of Cincinnati fans there. That was, a, that was two gross. top ten teams. Undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Cincinnati, and a bunch of Notre Dame fans still sold their tickets. Yeah, that's sadly, that's were, just the reality of it. Cincinnati fans were heckling Notre Dame fans too. Man, it was a yeah. sight. Very ugly yeah, sight. it was. It really was. It kind of disgusts me. If I was Notre Dame, I would find out who sold their tickets to those games, and I would say, "You're back on the waiting list next year." It's simple as that. I yeah. I wouldn't let people like I. You get the block sales, and I mean, just there's a lot of things you can do to limit it, but I just don't think Notre Dame cares because as long as it's getting sold and they're making money off of it, I don't think they care as much about, you know, again, it's like, are people making money decisions or what's best for the football program decisions? Notre Dame's making in these instances, money decisions, not about what creates the best home field environment. That's just the reality of it. I agree. We had Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker says mailbag. This is the overall fastest team Notre Dame has, has had since. Thank you guys for all you do. 2015. Yeah, I mean, I would. here's the argument that I would make, Ryan. Ryan. The 2015 team, for guys that played, yeah. the 2015 was faster at the top. There's nobody Will on this Fuller offense as guys. explosive as Will Fuller. Chris Tyree is sure. close, but he's not as explosive as Will Fuller. And he hasn't proven that he can consistently be the playmaker Will Fuller was, obviously. Sure. Sure. Defensively, there's you know we talk about how people don't give the linebackers enough credit for how athletic they are. There, none of them are in Jalen's category. None of them are in Jalen's sure. league. Kavari okay. Russell was really fast. I would argue that Kavari Russell probably would test better. I think Kavari ran like a low four four, if I remember he correctly. Ran four four something, at, yeah. At testing, I think he had a high right? vertical too. So yeah, he was, to he was fast in that regard. So they had some guys that were really athletic at the top. What I would say about this team is, is they may not have the Will Fuller on O, Jalen Smith on D, but depth of speed is much better, right? Because that was a pretty fast receiving core. I mean, all your guys were sub four fives. Chris Brown was a four, four guy. Amir Carlisle was a four, four guy. Will Fuller was a four, three guy. CJ Procise was a four, four guy. So like you had some speed on there, but I think this team just, especially more so defensively than offensively. Just the depth of speed. I don't think this Notre Dame team offensively has the speed that the 2015 team did. I just don't. Yeah. Especially in the starting lineup. But that doesn't mean they don't have good speed. They do. Speed. Just yeah. that, that team was dead burners, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh Adams was your number three start running back to start the year, and he ran a 4-4-8 coming out on a busted up foot. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that team had some home run hitters. This team sure. doesn't have as many of those defensively however i just think the overall level of athleticism and speed is better on defense after the first top couple guys right sure. that's just kind of how i look at it but this is the fastest team since 2015 in my and you could argue at several defensive positions the deeper you get into the depth the faster they might get in certain 100%. spots you know which is you start crazy. getting into marcus freeman recruits and that's a hundred percent correct ryan hundred percent yeah. correct i mean i would argue there's a chance that christian gray might be the fastest corner they have uh, if you compare him to the veterans and he's yeah. not even the fastest corner in his class i know like Bell. right yeah i mean yeah. you know so yeah it, they got some dudes that can run now yeah got some dudes that can run 
Next question is from David Lowe. says, I've never been to a Notre Dame game before. I never hear anything about our stadium environment. How is it? Depends on the game. Uh, I've been to some games, Ryan, where it's amazing. The the Texas game in 15 was awesome. Uh, The Michigan game in 14 was amazing because they jumped on Michigan early. The 18 Michigan game was outstanding. The 17 USC game was crazy loud. The 2021 Ohio State game, terrible. Or, I mean, excuse me, uh, Cincinnati game, terrible. Uh, the environment at the Marshall game last year was terrible. Now, part of that was the team didn't play well, but there was no energy for that game. Uh, we've seen some home games that were pretty blah from a fan standpoint. So it just depends on the quality of opponent. Notre Dame fans are very loyal to their team, but when it comes to the home crowd, because it's not, I say this again, it's not your typical home crowd. It's not just a bunch of blue-collar local people, that are just love Ohio state or love Penn state. This is a different type of crowd. That's maybe not as rowdy as the crowd used to be back in the day, back in the eighties, the crowd was a little bit different. It was a different type of crowd. I mean, I mean, you talk to Lou Samoji and Tim O'Malley and Tim Priester and those guys, they'll tell you, you know, the loudest environment they ever heard was a 1988 Miami game. There's 59,000 people in the stands. That's it. 59,000 people because that's all the stadium held. And, and so, uh, you know, again, now those were some great teams and some great matchups. The other thing that's hurt Notre Dame's crowd in recent years, Ryan, too, in fairness to the fans, is they haven't played a lot of very good teams at home in recent years. Very true. Very you know, true. like they've had some years where the home schedule was really bad. 2020 the 20- was really bad, right? Yeah. 2021 and 2020 was bad because the big game in 2021 was Cincinnati. With all due respect, that's just not a game that's going to fire up Notre Dame fans. It should have because that's a really yeah. good football team, but it's not. Uh, 2020 home schedule was – was actually would have been good if not for COVID because you had yeah. Florida State at home and you had Clemson at home. So that's two big teams, but, you know, you couldn't have anybody at those, at those games. Uh, the 2019 home schedule was bad. It was New Mexico, Virginia, Bowling Green, Virginia Tech, and Boston College in a not very good USC team. So, like, they've had some really bad home schedules in recent years. Uh, yeah. Last year's home schedule wasn't great either. You had Marshall, Cal, Stanford, UNLV, Boston College aren't good enough to, you know, like to bat- the, the Clemson crowd was great, but it was just one good game. The rest of the home schedule sucked. So it's it's a little different from like when you look at like 1988, Ryan, when Notre Dame won the national title, they had Michigan yep. at home, they had Miami at home. Like it was a little bit of, I mean, you, you'd have two, three huge games a year and at home against like top five teams and and then you'd get your rivalry games you know so like you had michigan at home purdue at home stanford at home miami at home penn state at home think about that in one year notre dame played michigan miami and penn state at home on top of purdue and stanford uh and air force which at the time notre dame played uh, often you know, 1988, Michigan State at home, USC at home, a number seven Pitt team at home. And, you know, back then, Pitt and their name is a little bit of a different type of rivalry than it is now. So it's just, it's different, man. 93, I mean, you had Florida State at home. You had Northwestern at home. So that was like a local game. Uh, you had Michigan State at home, which was a rivalry. Pitt at home. And you, so you had USC, Florida State, Boston College, uh, which at the time was a much better program. Pitt and Michigan State at home and Northwestern. Right. That's a little different than Bowling Green and New Mexico. Right. When your worst home games, Ryan, are against Northwestern and Michigan State and Pitt, that's a whole lot different than your home games are Marshall 
and who, who were the home games against last year? Marshall and Cal, and you know, like twenty in, in two thousand nineteen. I think like your first two home games were like New Mexico and Bowling Green and Virginia. Fighting Bob Davies, man. Yeah, yeah man. It's like that's just a Virginia. Like this is their home schedule in twenty nineteen: New Mexico, Virginia, Bowling Green, a bad USC team, Virginia Tech, Navy, and Boston College. Mm-hmm. Right, like mm-hmm. you know, twenty twenty one. It's a it's a bad bad USC team: Toledo, Purdue, Cincinnati, North Carolina, Navy, and Georgia Tech. It's just it's a different animal, man. It really is a different animal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know that there's a lot they can do about it. Part That's that's one of the negatives, the downsides of the ACC schedule is there's just years you're going to get not very good ACC teams at home. Yep. And their crowd doesn't travel as, as, as well. But uh, hey, one, one word of advice for David. David, go to a Notre Dame game, man. It's a great experience. Just go yes. do it. Because your there. first w- – yeah. would you say this, Ryan? Your first experience, yep. it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's, no. it's just that kind of deal. Yeah. Get there at like nine or 10 AM. Just walk around the campus for a few hours, man. And then find your way into the parking lot for the tailgaters and everything. Yeah. And then get into that stadium early, man. It's a great experience. I, I always, I always say if you can get in there Friday and just kind of yeah. see the town and yeah, it's a pretty cool deal, man. Go, a, go to it, legends and do it all, yep. man. Do it up. Yep. Do it up. Conrad, do you think Maris Loifel will make the jump to the next level this year? When will the staff cut their losses and start playing younger guys? I, I'm making no predictions on Maris Loifel this season. None. I, I hope yeah. Maris Loifel makes a jump, but we shall see. I hope. Yeah. Still a really talented athlete, man, if he can figure it out. but I And mean, I hate to break it to y'all, but if Maris Loifel gets benched, it's going to be for Jack Kaiser, not – I mean, for all the people who want to see the younger players, it's not going to be for – Jalen Sneed, it's going to yeah. be for Jack Kaiser because Jalen Sneed is legitimately still really way too inconsistent to put in a starting lineup. You got to find a niche yeah. for him right now and just turn him loose. I mean, you, you've got to use Jalen Sneed, but just having him be a starting linebacker right now is not where, where you need to be with him right now. And I think this is going to be the last one here, Ryan. Archer 452 says Bruce Feldman has his freaks list every year. Who is the freakiest athlete from each side of the ball this year for Notre Dame? Great freakiest question. athletes. That's a good question. Um, Ryan, I think on defense, it's kind of easy. I would say, yeah. I mean, that's Micah Bell. It's hard for me to, to go anywhere other than Micah Bell on that. How, one. About, how about Cam Hart for the height, weight, speed conversation? Yeah, He's pound for freaky. pound thing. Yeah. 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 It's pretty freaky. I would say Josh Burnham. If I'm going to go pound for pound would probably be the, the, the freakiest. Jason Onye, maybe. He's maybe too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's a little he's a little bit too maybe the lateralness may not be quite yeah. you know but yeah he's got some twitchiness to him man offensively it's going to be a lot of the younger guys it's going to be Jadarian Price you know Braylon James's I would have to say if I had to pick one guy it's probably Jeremiah Love that's it's probably one. my one yeah. that would be yeah. my one Chris Tyree Jeremiah one. Love a couple of those yeah. um Reason Braylon I go James, with love, I'm sure, does some freaky stuff. But yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I would go with Braylon James or Chris. Chris Tyree right now has just shown himself to be fast. Yeah, not necessarily a freaky athlete that's doing like you know the the Tavon Austin stuff, right? Like that's just not what he's been. Jeremiah Love has a little bit of the you know he's taller, 
He's he's fast. He's not as fast as Chris Tyree. Nobody on offense is, but he's shifty. He's got agility. Yeah. I think if I had to go, like that's where I think Braylon James is the is the guy that I think could really. Jadarian Price pre injury would have been in this conversation as well, but Braylon James and, and Jeremiah Love that height, length, elusiveness, agility thing conversation would be for me. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Jeremiah Love right now probably my one i wonder because free can mean a couple different things right like i mean joe alt's probably got pretty good testing numbers i would assume and he's six Mm -hmm. seven 320 pounds right like that's pretty Mm -hmm. freaky as well so yeah i mean jeremiah love i think makes a lot of sense braylon james i would be here's the here's a take which i i would love people's opinion on i would be surprised if braylon james is not on a freaks list one time during his Notre Dame career. Yeah. I'd be very surprised. I think he's going to put up some freaky stuff, man. So the, the, if you're trying to argue that anyone is faster on this team than Micah Bell, stop, just please stop. I, I think, I think they heard you out of context. Cause you said he's Christian Gray might be the fastest out of all the comparing like the, old, and, and, but then yeah. I followed that up with, yes, but he's not I even know. the fastest guy in his class. I know. I know. I know. So yeah, yeah. Those yeah. those would be guys that I would kind of go with. Those would be mine. Yeah, those would be mine. Anybody anybody else you can think of, Ryan? Like if you had to pick one for each position, I'd probably yeah. go J- Josh Burnham at at, uh, at uh, defensive line. Okay, I'd go Drake Bone at linebacker. Okay, I'd go I go. You 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 might get me on the Cam Hart thing, Ryan. Like I get that one. I'm still going Micah Bell because his speed is so nutty. Like testing wise and he's a jumper you don't see yeah. a lot like a lot of five foot nine and a half long jumpers putting up the numbers he's jumping right like lengthwise Mo- aren't most really yeah. good long jumpers like kind of longer taller. taller guys right yeah. like cam Williams of the world yeah. yeah yeah and he's five nine and a half so i, I still go micah bell at corner safety i'd probably go xavier watts i think he's a you know he, he may not be fast but he just moves differently than everybody else with safety uh quarterback there none of the above running back jeremiah love receiver braylon james for all around chris tyree for speed yeah uh, tight end eli raritan if he's healthy is oh, eli, really yeah. freaky athletic yes yeah that's a good one yeah o-line would you say i mean i think joe waltz probably would be my or Charles Charles Jagasaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah, he's an interesting one too. They, they also put like weight room stuff into yeah. the freaky categories too. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Like that power and explosiveness. Yeah, I get that yeah. one. I get that one. So those are my pound. And then Spencer Schrader, Ryan. I, I don't know if you, you haven't had a chance to see this yet, but that kid is an athlete. He looks like, like you it. you just watch him and just how he approaches the ball and just the leg swing is just I man. He is a really good athlete, and I'll tell you something else. We haven't talked a lot about it. Bryce McPherson has a bomb. He when he when he's on, he can boom the football, man. I mean, he averaged like forty-seven a punt as a senior or something like that. Yeah, I was <laughs> loving how he was coming off of his foot, man. I, really, hear, man. I was really wor- I was worried it. he was going to pull a Harrison Leonard on us. So hopefully, it uh, continues to develop. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I I really enjoyed those type of things, very much so. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, Ryan, enjoyed it, man. Why don't you go ahead and take us – Take people talking about Estime. Estime's a tank. Yes. I don't know. Uh, David Lowe, Estime's a beast. 
Yeah, but I just don't think he's in the same – and this says a lot about the rest of the running back room. He's just yeah. not in the same category of those other guys as just explosive athleticism. If, if, if you're just talking about like weight room numbers, maybe. I mean, sometimes Bruce throws that in there, right? But yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But appreciate you all for joining us today on a little bit of a Notre Dame 2023 football schedule. We ranked the hardest games in Notre Dame schedule coming up on the season because, folks, we are one week away from a game week, which is absolutely incredible. We will be back. Of course, Ivy Nation Sports Talk will be tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern to be able to talk a little bit more Notre Dame football throughout the week. Uh, the Notre Dame recruiting recruiting hour, which is usually scheduled for Mondays, will be Thursday this week, just in case you missed an announcement earlier today. So before you leave, if you could please hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, that notification bell will keep you reminded for tomorrow that the next two days will be at 12 o'clock. Also go to boards.iversbreakdown.com. Before we came on today, Brian put together a little bit of an intel piece that we've been gathering over the well, last couple I of days. I wrote it. Ryan side. got a lot yeah. of the intel, just so just sure. so we're clear. Just <laughs> the so we're team clear. effort, man. The yes, team that's effort. Right. So that's right. boards.iversbreakdown.com for your latest recruiting and team intel and info as we inch closer and closer to the Notre Dame season. As always, go Irish. We appreciate you. I am Ryan from Brian. Thank you all and see you all next time very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.